the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good, good morning, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and if you're tuning in, you are listening to Let Us Reason, and we thank you for doing so. And uh, we really thank you, as always, for your uh, phenomenal partnership, for your prayers, for your support, and for giving even, uh, because I know uh, some of you have been partnering with us financially as well. So we are so blessed to have you, so blessed to uh, work with you, and uh, we're so blessed to even hear from you that uh, you have been benefiting from these podcasts. Uh, I know some of you have been using it in their own respective ministries. Others have been really appreciative of the quality and the type of caliber we have. People like Sam Shamon, for instance, and uh, I had Jay Smith in the past. And by the way, I'll be seeing Jay uh, sometime soon, and I'll make sure uh, that he joined us again uh, on podcast, not just on video, so that we are able to basically um, uh, get more and more insights uh, from his own research. And as you know, he and I have a passion for the early Quranic manuscripts, given that uh, he talks a lot about it and I'm doing my research on it, and therefore we can definitely do other things in that area. Having said so, today I am going to revisit the Tawheed Dilemma topic, and I'm going to kind of like highlight a particular passage found in the Quran. And the reason why uh, we, me, Sam Shamoun, and uh, in general, uh, been hammering out this Tawheed dilemma thing, for a simple reason, our Muslim friends are insistent all the time that the Bible is corrupt because Jesus was made to be equal to God. And that's in Islam, and use an Islamic term called shirk, which is the Islamic term for idolatry. In other words, you are making Jesus uh, to be equal to God. You're associating a co-partner with God. And therefore, that's yet another evidence of the corruption of the scripture. And you hear arguments like Jesus himself never claimed to be God, never said, I am God, worship me. And the list can go on and on and on. So we like to turn the table around. I like to turn the table around. And I use Facebook in a variety of ways to attack the doctrine of Tawheed. And I hate to use the word attack, but uh, really we are left with no choice but to expose this hypocrisy in attacking something that is biblical with something that is not even Quranic. So a Muslim counter argument against the Trinity usually is that it is Tawheed. 
the doctrine of the oneness of God, and it's an absolute oneness. And in other words, God is only one. He has no partners. He is not a father. He doesn't have a son. There is no such thing as Holy Spirit being a member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit in the Muslim mind is the angel Gabriel. Therefore, when we talk about the Tawheed dilemma, we're saying the doctrine of Tawheed has many problems. If, if at the surface, let's think about it, if Tawheed indeed mean absolute oneness, which by the way it doesn't, the Arabic word means to unify, unification, unification of what? Of divine attributes, unification of, you know, worship towards a one God, unification of uh, praise to this God, service to this God, <coughs> excuse me, reverence, I apologize, I'm, I'm recovering from illness, uh, uh, reverence and uh, glory and honor and so on and so forth to this particular God, then if that's the case, then you would expect the Quran not to even have a shred of evidence that will violate this doctrine. Not so. When it comes to the commands in the Quran about equating Muhammad with Allah, what I mean by equating is commands to obey Muhammad, that obedience to Muhammad means it's the only way for a Muslim to receive purification, forgiveness, love from God, acceptance by God, and the list can go on and on and on. Today, I am going to zoom on one particular peculiar passage. This one is actually found on chapter 48, chapter 48 of the Quran. And uh, the verse that we will be talking about is verse number nine. And I'm going to go to a number of translations here just to be fair. Uh, in other words, show you what this passage will say. So I'm going to start, for instance, with a translation by Bechtel. And Bechtel says that ye, speak, and he added the word mankind, may believe in Allah and his messenger. Okay, so there is a passage here that in a context, there is an invitation to mankind to believe in both Allah and believe in his messenger. Okay, now I'm going to go back now and try to add the context, which might be helpful. So we're going to go back again to chapter 48 of the Quran, verses 8 and 9. And let's take a look at what's going on. In verse 8, Bechtel says, Lo, we have sent thee, and then in parentheses, O Muhammad, so the speak is to Muhammad, as a witness and a bearer of good tidings and a warner. Let's look at Yusuf Ali's translation. We have truly sent thee as a witness, as a bringer of glad tidings, and as a warner. Let's look at Hilali and Khan. Verily, we have sent you, and in the, again in parentheses, O Muhammad, as a witness, as a bearer of glad tidings, and as a warner. Let's look at Shakir translation. Surely we have sent you as a witness and as a bearer of good news and as a warner. So, so this is the leading passage into verse 9. Because we sent you, Muhammad, as a witness and as a bearer of good news and as a warner, the expectation is that, in verse 9, in order that ye, O men, may believe in God and his apostle, 
Pechthel says, that ye, mankind, may believe in Allah and his messenger. Okay? And then, you know, let's look at Hilali and Khan. In order that you, and in parentheses, all mankind, may believe in Allah and his messenger. And Shakir says, that you may believe in Allah and his apostle. And therefore, this is the ultimate objective as to why Muhammad was sent. But it doesn't stop here. The trouble begins in the next clause in verse 9. Now, we said, verse 9 says, in piggybacking on verse 8, in continuation of the news that was sent, meaning Muhammad was sent as a witness. Obviously, you know, people can say witness about Allah, witness about Islam, witness about his new religion and teachings. And as a result of this, because of his witness, uh, he is now considered to be the bearer of good news and also a warner of what might happen to those who reject the good news, right? Okay, so because of this, you, mankind, the beginning of verse 9, are expected then to believe in Allah and his messenger. I want to park right here. Notice, Muhammad was sent so that you believe not only in Allah, but also believe in him, Okay. And that is extremely important, you know. Lito'minu, uh, that's the Arabic word, that you may have faith, okay, not just in Allah, but Allah and Muhammad. For the life of me, show me anywhere in the Bible that anyone that was sent by God, by Yahweh, like Moses, okay, like Abraham, I'm using names that Muslims are not only familiar with, but they consider them to be big deal. David, Solomon, okay, or others like Elijah, for instance, or Isaiah. Please show me a single passage in the Bible that any of these prophets sent by Yahweh ever said that we're coming to you that you have to believe not only in Yahweh, Yahweh, but believe in us also. And we're talking about, now somebody might say, well, we'll believe in that, that they were sent by God. I get it. But you have passages like this in the Quran everywhere. The believe in Muhammad is so important that later on, early Islamic scholars added Muhammad into the formula of the Shahada, the Islamic creed, that you testify there is no God but Allah and Muhammad, his messenger. That's why it becomes a problem, because belief in Muhammad is essential for the salvation of a Muslim. Even though the salvation of a Muslim is not a guaranteed salvation, there still have to be consequences for some sins, possibly even thrown in the hellfire with the hope that one day they'll be rescued from the hellfire and sent back to heaven. You know, be it as it may, the commands, this is a, a sample of many other commands in the Quran that you have to believe in Allah and Muhammad. Okay, so this is why it's a Tawheed problem, and it doesn't stop here. Now we get to the problematic clause. So I'm going to read now Pechtel, and I'm going to read Yusuf Ali and Hilali and Khan and Shakir and many others as well, and please pay attention to what's going on here. So back again, we start with verse 9. Pechtel says, That ye, mankind, may believe in Allah and his messenger, then the next clause, and may honor him, and may revere him, and may glorify him at early dawn and at the close of day. Wow. Notice there is a personal pronoun here. 
him to be honored, him to be revered, him to be glorified. Who is this personal pronoun referring to? Let's look at another translation, Yusuf Ali. The beginning of chapter, verse 9 says, again, we're looking at chapter 48 of the Quran, verse 9. It says, in order that ye, O men, he added it in parentheses, may believe in God and his apostle, next clause, that ye may assist and honor him. Now, here we get a clue that the him apparently is referring to Muhammad. I mean, you're going to assist Allah? How would you assist? Unless if you tell me Allah is a weak God that needs assistant, okay? So you're assisting who? The prophet and honoring the prophet, okay? And then move on to another clause and celebrate his praise morning and evening. I would argue all of this is referring back to Muhammad, and I'll show, I'll tell you why in a little bit. Hilali and Khan, another two Muslims, did this translation in partnership. Verse 9 again says, chapter 48 of the Quran, verse 9, in order that you, again in parentheses, all mankind, may believe in Allah and his messenger, and that you assist and honor him, and he added in parentheses, Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, meaning the praise of Allah and uh, the peace of Allah be upon him. Who is he talking to about? Muhammad. Clearly is stating that this is Muhammad. And then in the next clause, and that you glorify, and then he added in parentheses Allah, because he was troubled probably by the fact, how can you glorify Muhammad? So this, this part of the clause might apply to Allah. So it's picking and choosing now, okay? So part of the clause about honor, and about assistant applied to Muhammad. But the second part of that clause about glorifying, he applied it to Allah because he knows if you apply it to Muhammad, we do have a problem. But that's his own, you know, attempt. The, uh, the, the, uh, the Quranic passage in Arabic doesn't even come close to stating anything like this. There is only a personal pronoun and you have to make up your mind who does this personal pronoun applies to. Let's look at Shakir. Another uh, basically translation of the Quran. It says that you may believe in Allah and his, in apostle, and his apostle and may aid him and revere him and that you may declare his glory morning and evening. Still ambiguous. You don't know what he's talking about. Shir Ali says that you should believe in Allah and his messenger and may help him and honor him and that you may glorify Allah morning and evenings. Notice. So in his mind... The first part of the clause, the, uh, the honor and the, and the help or assist apply to Muhammad. And then the second part, the glory, applies to Allah. Why are they doing this? Because the passage in Arabic is ambiguous. And you, if you really want to be honoring the grammar, you are going to discover quickly, if you speak Arabic and you know Arabic grammar, that the pronoun applies to Muhammad. Because the whole thing is focused on Muhammad and the belief in Muhammad and the fact that he's the one who sent as a witness. He's the one that sent as a warner. He's the one that was sent as good news or glad tiding. And therefore, he needs your assistant. Okay? He needs your honor. And he needs your glory. You have to glorify him. People have to glorify Muhammad. These are divine prerogatives applied to God only. But Muhammad is a recipient of those. Now, it gets even better, by the way. I'm going to keep going with a couple of more translations. Another Muslim translation, Khalifa, that you people might believe in God and his messenger 
and reverence him and observe him and glorify him day and night. Here, Khalifa, because he was troubled by the whole thing, he wanted to make sure that you think all of this is applying to God. It doesn't work that way, okay? Arbery says that you may believe in God and his messenger and succor him and reverence him and that you may give him glory at dawn and in the evening. Palmer says that you may believe in God and his apostle and you may aid him and revere him and celebrate his praise morning and evening. Rodwell says that you may believe in God and on his apostle and may assist him and honor him and praise him morning and evening. Finally, Sale, who is a convert to Islam, says that you may believe in God and his apostle and may assist him and revere him and praise him morning and evening. Now, I'm going to begin to focus on the real issue. If you look, if you look at some of the commentators of Islam, you will quickly discover that the commentators didn't have a clue how to deal with this. They really did not have any idea how to deal with this. Why? Because they felt that there is a problem and this problem needed to be addressed. For instance, if you look at uh, Al-Jalalain, Al-Jalalain says that this him, the personal pronoun, is applied to Muhammad, but only the praise on day and night is applied to Allah. Ibn Abbas and uh, others uh, struggled with this. Al-Qurtubi, on the other hand, in one part of his commentary says, there are opinions out there that this ha, which is the inseparable personal pronoun in Arabic, okay, he says this ha, or this personal pronoun, which is him in English, applies to Muhammad, and there is a possibility that it could apply to both Muhammad and Allah. Notice he first started it by saying it applies to Muhammad, but there is a possibility that it applies to both Allah and Muhammad. Started with Muhammad, that's important. Why? Because he followed the grammar. He followed basically the rules of the Arabic grammar in there, and it makes sense why it points to Muhammad. But because he knows this is a theological problem that can go against the teaching of Islam, he says that could apply to both Allah and Muhammad, and obviously in his mind, you can pick and choose. Part of it could be applied to Muhammad, the idea of assisting Muhammad and revering Muhammad and the, or honor him. And the part about glorifying God or praising him day and night, that cannot be applied to Muhammad. When in fact, really, Muhammad is praised all the time, by the way. Just mention the name Muhammad in front of Muslim and see how the entire group will stop and they will praise him immediately. So there is praise given to Muhammad at any moment during the day. So... Why am I making a big deal out of this? Because this is an extremely important issue. If we are truly talking about pure oneness, then why in the world would the Quran make references like this that is ambiguous, first of all? Number two, left up to the imagination. Number three, some of the early Islamic scholars and commentators agreed that it applies to Muhammad which is divine prerogatives to honor, to assist or revere, to even glorify and praise, apply it to a human versus applying it to the divine. This is why such a thing is a huge dilemma. So we posted something on this on our Facebook, the personal Facebook, which, by the way, you can always go there and follow us. And sometimes we may have some openings to become a friend because we have already maxed out. We have 5,000 friends and Facebook doesn't allow us or anyone who reaches that threshold 
to add more friends unless someone drops out or periodically we may block someone for being disruptive, disrespectful, belligerent, you know, or we issue block and challenge against people who make some false claims that they cannot substantiate. Every now and then we may have uh, an opening, but you can follow us, which is alfadi.sira, alfadi, A-L-F as in Frank, A-D-I, dot sira. And that's the personal page where I have most of the time these posts, but you can also go and follow us on our ministry page, the Al-Fadi and the Sira page, which is Sira International. And we invite, also we invite you to go and become a subscriber of our YouTube channel, which is Sira International. And Sira is C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International. You can become a subscriber. You'll receive notifications of videos as they get released on a weekly basis, which we are going through new releases every week, stuff that has to do with the Tawheed Dilemma that I did with Sam, sometimes the scripture twisting with Sam and David uh, David Wood, and sometimes uh, a repeat or a replay of some of the previous series that we did with Jay and others. Now, when you subscribe, uh, we prayerfully encourage you to uh, consider also to become a Patreon patron, and uh, there is a link in there where you can give even to the ministry as little as $1 and as much as the Lord puts in your heart. Those givings can help us maintain our presence on the air, paying for the airwaves, and even paying for the production of these podcasts and the videos as well in the case of YouTube. So we are thankful for those of you who uh, consider to do so, and thank you for those of you who are prayerfully considering and your partnership is extremely important. Now, back again to the post. It is on February 23rd that we posted something related to that. We call it Tawheed Dilemma for obvious reasons. And we said in Quran 48.9, which we just explored for you and, uh, uh, you know, showed you the problem in there. We said in Quran 48 verse 9, the uh, I mentioned the word honor and reverence are ascribed to Muhammad. And then I open a parenthesis and says, and possibly... Allah as well. And then I close the parenthesis and it says, hence, he, meaning reference to Muhammad, is at least a co-partner with Allah. And that's why we like to always highlight such discrepancies in the Quran, because we want to help our Muslim friends who are definitely, um, you know, interested in knowing the truth, who are seekers of the truth, uh, or those who want to at least uh, explore, you know, the truth, we want them to be aware of the fact that they are fed, you know, misleading lies, and the truth cannot be found in the Quran. The truth is only found in the Bible. When we say Jesus is equal to God, that's because the Scripture said so, and Jesus himself equated himself also to God. He, in many, uh, in, 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 in many terms, okay, uh, in many ways, expressed his divine uh, uh, nature. Uh, his, uh, uh, basically, deity was being clearly stated by him and others and exhibited in the scripture. And therefore, we're not fabricating things. We're not adding things that are not there. We are sharing facts and we invite you as our Muslim friend, our guest, to go and explore these things for yourself, not just listening to us or listening to others. The Lord God has given us a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, basically 
brain to help us reason, to help us uh, examine things, to reach logical conclusions. And we invite you to utilize such ability. We're made in the image of God, and therefore we can reason in such a fashion that will help enable us to search for the truth, seek the truth, and find the truth. And that's my prayer for you. And thank you again for joining us in this uh, podcast episode. And this one has to do with one of those uh, challenges and dilemmas. We call it the Tawheed Dilemma. And today's episode had to deal with one of those problems that exposes the uh, nature and the contradictions of the Quran that while Muslims think it teaches about the oneness of God, in fact, it does not. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.